0: Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Welcome to Better tech. It's always a pleasure to have women tech leaders on our show, so why don't we start off with your introduction and then we can dive into the current tech landscape, women in tech, and the future, which is our topic today, women being the future of tech.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for having me here today. So yes, my name is Adela Jamal, and I have actually worked at startups. I've worked at um, different consulting companies with VCs and also global corporations. Most recently being with Sony pictures in Los Angeles, California.
0: So you've recently started your MBA focusing on leadership, entrepreneurship, and technology. What was that jump like, you know, having, uh, taking a career break and pursuing masters again, is that something you feel women are currently underrepresented in, in this area?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, certainly. Great question. So I very recently just joined the MIT Sloan Fellows MBA program, which is a 12-month program for mid-careers and uh, mid-career individuals. And I was so fortunate to have actually, you know, learned about this program because there are not too many of them in the world. And for someone like myself, who was a mid-career, you know, female executive um, obviously had, you know, wonderful work experiences and, um, sort of two paths, right? So there was like this fork in the road of, do I continue working or actually pursue my master's, which is something that I have been thinking about for, for quite some time. Um, I think it was really about the time and then also stepping back a little bit and actually thinking about what was important to me at the core. And I think many times, a lot of us have started our careers and we, Sort of jump in, and before we know it, the, the years have gone by, and and we also feel as a woman in business that you know we have to hold on to that very tightly, and we can't take time to actually invest in ourselves and do something different or even think differently. And I'm really fortunate to have had you know great family friends supporting me um, with this decision because it's obviously a massive decision, and my husband, of course, um, being very supportive throughout the whole process. Um, I understood that you know this was really going to be the time for me to step back, to think about what it is that I want to do um, with the rest of my career. It was a really great opportunity to also just stop and learn and reflect and grow, which many times I don't think that we allow ourselves to do enough of. I think it's very you know much high pressure, um, great opportunities, you're, you're focused on promotions and, and you think that's, that's really all there is to focus on. But I think it's actually the reverse. I think it's when you step back and you think about being intentional with your personal and your and your work life, um, that you really tap into the magic of you know who you are, understanding what your strengths are, what your passions are, and then also where you want to to take your career. So for me, this is a really exciting time in my life where I'm for once able to just focus on myself for 12 months without having to be you know a superwoman and and trying to do everything at once.
0: It definitely takes an understanding of self-learning, right? To take a step back and evaluate where you want to be instead of just focusing on the next career ladder.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And um, I think even to your, your earlier point, you know, thinking about um, what I'm focusing on here, which is you know, leadership, entrepreneurship and, and technology. Um, I think that these are also areas where we don't have enough women um, actually mm-hmm. leaning into those careers. I think that I've seen it even, even firsthand and also here in the program that, um, the numbers really, you know, the, the facts and and the data sort of tell, um, you know, an honest story of of what's happening. Um, I'm for example, in a program, which is a, a much more smaller, you know, program, which is 133 individuals, but I'm just one of 29 women, um, who's a part of that cohort. And so I'm hoping that, you know, with a very bright light being shined on um, what women are facing in the workforce, what's happening with women in technology and across the board that these numbers will, will slowly start to change. And also that it will be much more the norm. And I think that's also you know based on society. I think a lot of this has to do with you know the societal norms and the pressures um, that a lot of us are actually facing, where we yeah. feel as though we have to just stay in the workforce and sort of stepping out and doing something different um, is not going to be condoned or really appreciated or even rewarded.
0: I was just going to ask you that is the underrepresentation, do you feel it's the same? I mean, we know that it is in the workforce, right? Is it the same in your class? And you just answered that out of 133 students, you're one of 29 women in the course. So yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of work to be done in achieving gender equality across industry verticals, but speaking specifically about tech, do you believe we have come a long way?
1: Yes, and, and I think that's that's a really important question. Um, when I was just doing, you know, some, some reading over the weekend, I was just looking at the, the stats, and I think right now, um, we have come a long way. If we look at what we've accomplished over the last few decades, it's of course very encouraging. I believe the latest numbers around 25 to 28 percent um, of women in the workforce are focusing on STEM careers, which is a head, you know, a step in the right direction. We're heading in the right direction, um, but I think there's so much more work to be done. And I can also, you know, speak to I think what I've what I've seen, whether I've experienced that, you know, directly or indirectly, or even through colleagues. Um, I think we have to be aware of the fact that we're still dealing with, you know, gender stereotypes, right? When we think of STEM, it's not necessarily um, something that, you know, everybody is um, sort of supporting or encouraging women and young girls to lean into. And I also think that that starts at a very young age. Um, So even though right now we're thinking about what are the numbers in the workforce, what's happening with STEM, what's happening at the university level, we actually have to step back and think about, what's happening at the, you know, sort of the the childhood, um, sort of like, you know, elementary level as well, what's happening with teachers, Um, what's happening with parents, actually thinking about the different programs that they, they put their young children into. And I think that's where we have to start to address the gender stereotypes, because that then has the lasting effects through an individual, and the decades that come, and also what they're, aware of, what they feel comfortable in, um, and then also what they pick and choose as a majors. And then of course, that leads to to the workforce. Another aspect that I think is very, very important is also thinking about the different cultures. So of course, you know, I'm speaking from a position of staying here in the United States. And of course, things might be, um, you know, generally a little bit um, better and and more equal. However, when you think about the globe and you think about different nations, what are the norms there, thinking about male dominated cultures, that's something that um, is certainly needed to be, you know, taken into consideration. Um, if we are thinking about also just sort of changing that and actually tapping into, you know, understanding what's happening in those cultures, again, that starts at home, that starts with, you know, parents supporting this desire mm-hmm. to actually change careers and not just go into what is maybe, you know, stereotypical, um, jobs, jobs for, for young girls and, and women. And then also, I, I think a third aspect here is thinking about the role models, right? So I think while we've come a really long way, we have to also understand that it's from the top down. We need people at the top to be supporting, um, individuals who want to pursue a career. Um, and also for women who are, you know, leaning towards STEM right now, it's, it's very challenging. If you don't see, Um, Sort of this room that, you know, is encouraging of your participation or welcoming you or even, you know, looks like you, it can be very overwhelming and also sort of, um, you know, against um, what you feel at heart to heart to something that you want to pursue.
0: And did you, speaking of that, it's starting at home, did you feel that you had a similar role model growing up in a STEM field?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So for me, it was a a little bit of an interesting background because I was born and raised in India and um, sort of grew up between two countries, spending a lot of time between India and the United States and parents from two different um, ethnicities and backgrounds. But I was very fortunate to have parents that were very encouraging. So my father, for example, was an entrepreneur um, and an engineer. So I grew up sort of having that support and also being around the environment and I think to my earlier point, if you see that at a young age, if you're exposed to it, and you're welcome and you're encouraged to lean in, ask questions, and actually be a part of that conversation, essentially be invited to the table, that has you know, a profound effect on how you think, how you think of your self worth, where you feel you belong. And I really feel as though even today, with all of my successes and and where you know what I've been able to accomplish, I have always felt. Um, welcomed. I've always felt that I've been, you know, very strong in, in my opinions and my stance, and also very confident, and that doesn't happen overnight, you know, it's not something that you can, you don't just read a book, you don't just, you know, listen to a podcast, and all of a sudden sort of, you know, get that confidence, it takes years to build that, and you really need to have people supporting you um, to ensure that, you know, you have that sort of sounding board when you run into challenges and I think that's really what is going to you know, help women continue to succeed. It's, it's not just overnight.
0: Just, and just elaborating on that aspect, the Peterson Institute for International Economics found firms without any female leaders to be less profitable. Why are diverse teams the key to a more equal
1: world? Great question. So when I think about um, diverse teams and I think about you know, also diversity and the future, um, I know just from the recent research coming out, um, especially with Lean into you know, McKinsey has their annual report that diverse teams actually are impacting the bottom line, right? So you're going to have an opportunity to not only just impact, you know, the workforce and encourage diverse teams to come together, but I think you're also thinking about the longevity of the companies. And another point that I was even just thinking about um, recently is thinking about who your partners are and who your customers are. Right now, there's a, there's a massive shift happening, not just in the US, but I think even globally, where companies are you know, more accountable. They're being asked to be more transparent. So you can no longer sort of stay with the cookie cutter, you know, perhaps the board or the senior teams being um, sort of just you know, one type of person. It has to be a diverse group. And I think therefore you have to then have a diverse workforce and understand if you want to actually connect with people globally, around the world who are diverse, your teams have to also be of the same makeup. And this is something that I you know, have also felt and have seen and have practiced in my recent years um, where I have seen firsthand that my teams are not as productive and we aren't able to come up with as you know, many creative ideas or solutions mm-hmm. even if we have everyone coming from the same background, perhaps from the same schools, or even thinking about you know, socioeconomic status. We have to think about you know, what embracing that is doing for us. And of course, understand that yes, there's a financial impact, but also that it is really the future of, of the globe and you know, successful companies are gonna be leaning into it.
0: So these invisible barriers and glass ceilings that discourage women from studying STEM fields or hindering their professional equality. How, do you Have you ever experienced any of these things in your working life so far?
1: Yes, and unfortunately, the answer is is yes. Um, I have certainly, you know, dealt with my fair share of bumping up against the the glass ceilings. Um, I think there are always these invisible barriers, especially when you are pursuing uh, a career in business or in STEM. And I can speak very specifically, even to you know, just starting out as a an, as a, a recent graduate. Um, so when I graduated with my undergrad in in business. Um, I actually started working for a VC and and working for a um, a startup and and running a startup, a tech startup for for a number of years. And I knew very early on that this was not um, a role that perhaps was going to be given to, to a woman. I could see that there were other individuals who were interested in it. And I have to say that despite hitting those barriers and despite having those challenges, what I noticed and what made the biggest difference was actually having not just women who were supporting me, but was also having men who were supporting me. And I can't highlight enough that having male allies, you know, and having individuals in your network who can support you is going to make a world of a difference. And you don't need, you know, 10 people who are, who are pulling you along. And if you have that, that's obviously wonderful, but it just is one person who can make that difference. And so for me, while I had those challenges, you know, I'd always continue to throw my name in the hat, I'd always continue to, you know, discuss the situation with my colleagues or mentors or sponsors. But I was also very aware of the fact that the individuals who were giving me that opportunity and that chance were not always women. It was actually men and male leaders who gave me that shot, who took a chance on me. And that is part of, you know, why I've had such a great trajectory is because I had individuals at the top who were giving me that opportunity. And had I backed off and maybe thought it was no place I belonged, um, the outcome would obviously have not been the same.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just coming to us more of a positive, optimistic outlook on the podcast, what are some ways in which new tools and technologies have facilitated women empowerment?
1: Yes, I I love that question. And you know, I'm, I'm just so thrilled about where we are, you know, it's 2021, we've seen what's happened over the last decade or two even, and even very specifically looking at the last 18 months and what all of us have had to deal with, with the pandemic and remote work. I would say, you know, first and foremost, just having different technologies that are allowing remote work. So if we look at women in the workforce and what we have been dealing with, just from being significant caretakers and still even in the pandemic, um, well, I believe about 15 to 20% of the workforce, um, the women workforce actually considering leaving, having tools like Zoom and Slack and Teams and enabling us to actually connect with our corporations or our companies while still being at home and being able to be a caregiver has been phenomenal. And I think that will continue. And I think we will only continue to see um, even more like innovative tools coming out. I also am really impressed with what's happening from the entrepreneurs. And I think what's happening in femtech is massive. I think there are a lot of females who are seeing that in order to support females and women in the workforce, we need additional tools and support. And sometimes it's not just you know, with um, just having care at home or, you know, looking for um, sort of the more, um, you know, initial ideas, I think it's about thinking outside the box. And there's, you know, a company that comes to mind, which is Milkstore, which is actually helping women who are traveling who are not able to be at home um, to actually get, you know, Milk delivered to your babies while you're away. And there are a number of other companies who are doing similar things. And I think that's the type of thinking that we need to focus on. And I'm just so excited to see, you know, what else is coming out because that's going to actually empower us and also enable us to stay in the workforce and not just enter, but actually have that that career that all of us want to have, where we sometimes feel that we're torn because we've maybe got to step back and, and be at home more. So I think those are two points and then i think the third point is also what's happening with technologies that are addressing uh, biases in the workplace Um, so i know that there are several tools right now which are helping with blind resume parsing Um, i also know that when it comes to understanding um, just biases you know for example thinking about entertainment because that was an industry that just came out of um, thinking about what's happening with the gina davis institute and the gdiq tool that's really just Understanding where we perhaps you know have representation or are lacking representation—that's right. going to help make companies more accountable and also help us as women and underrepresented groups get those opportunities and get those conversations moving forward.
0: So, Adina, how do you define the workforce of the future?
1: That's an excellent excellent question. Um, so, for me, workforce of the future is really an inclusive and diverse workforce. Um, and in addition to being inclusive and diverse, it's also a workforce that is flexible. I think we've seen in the last 18 months that we sort of shattered the norms. I think we're seeing that um, you know, companies are aware of the fact that their workers can be very productive. They don't have to be in a building. I think we're hopefully moving away from, from the mentality of you know just mm-hmm. walking the floor and having everybody there physically with you. So I think in the future, it's really going to be embracing everybody for who they are and how they can work. And I also think about, you know, technologies such as Uber and Lyft, which have really tapped into the market where people have time and they, they have the desire and the ability to work, but not, it might not be as conventional. It might not be your typical Monday through Friday, nine to five. I think that is really gonna be the workforce of the future. And I think it's also gonna be very much focused on technology and innovation.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And lastly, Adila, where do you see yourself 10 years from now?
1: Yes, so I think um, first and foremost, the work that you know I continue to do um, and focus on with transformation and driving impact is, is something that I hope to be continuing in, in the next decade. Um, I also see myself potentially running my own business, um, focusing on women, underrepresented groups, and also just working on innovation and technology. And I think you know, sort of the ribbon through all of it is that whatever work I continue to do is going to be also with individuals. Who share a very similar vision. I think, you know, we have to be very mindful, intentional of how we spend our time and where we spend our time. And for me, that's something that I want to continue doing over the next decade. And I hope to continue to make a difference.
0: Yeah, I hope so. You do that too. So that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us on Belltech. Delight
1: It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to Better Tech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.